Welcome back to the Monitor Sports Podcast. Eric Rinson Lobel here with Dana Torrey as we have about a month left in the spring sports season, at least for some of them. Some of the sports are coming to a conclusion even sooner. We have a great show for you today. We'll be talking about always softball, baseball, boys and girls lacrosse, track, tennis. Um, second half of the show, I spoke with co-Brown softball head coach uh, Dave Allis. The Bears are off to a 7-1 and one start this season, and they are the defending Division II champions. So you'll hear a little bit more behind the scenes on their program, why they've had so much success, and a little bit more in the latter half of the show. But Dan, let's start with softball, and we can start talking about Cole Brown. Uh, the Bears, 7-1, as I said, they had a big win last Tuesday excuse me, last Wednesday against John Stark. They won 6-4. That was a rematch of last year's championship game. Um, they did lose 7-5 to Kingswood, but rebounded and beat Pelham 3-0. So that's where the 7-1 is. Uh, this is a, Cole Brown's a really good team. They've been a good program for a while. You'll hear Coach Alice kind of talk a little about why that is and why they've had so much success. But this is a team with a lot of experience and especially their their best player, Madison Dakota. Uh, she pitches, I mean, she pitched a complete game and that went over John Stark. She also drove in four runs, including a three run homer. Uh, but then this is, this is, this is one of the teams to beat in division two and they've kind of played like it so far this year. Yeah. They've looked very strong. You've already mentioned the Kata. She, uh, had another complete game win on Monday, uh, three, nothing win over Pelham, uh, complete game effort two hit shutout 16 strikeouts in seven innings, 16, of the 21 outs or strikeouts from Dakota also went two for two at the plate, um, but a pretty well-rounded team as well. Courtney Thomas had uh, two home runs and went four for four um, in a big win for Coe Brown over Campbell. Um, one of the powerhouses in D3 that's moved up to division two this year. So a lot of really strong players on that Coe Brown squad. Now the team that they beat, one of the teams they beat John Stark, um, they were de defending runners up. They're four and two now, but they've had a tough schedule. Uh, the Generals, six games. The combined record through their loss against Cobrown last Wednesday. So they're, these teams have played games since then. But through that loss on Wednesday, uh, John Stark's opponents have a combined record of 22 and 10. So wow. they've gone four and two against pr pretty much all the other top teams in the division. Um, and you know, they're another team that looks, you know, very strong. Um, head coach Dennis Cola Mainen is kind of is pretty pleased with where they are. They definitely made some mistakes in the Cole Brown game. Defensively, they need to tighten things up a little bit. Their pitcher um had also as Olivia Hargreaves, I believe, um, had thrown 15 innings two days before and turned around and started the the next thing I know we talk, talked about this a couple of podcasts ago, just the insane length and number of pitches you will get from softball pitchers. But she had thrown 15 innings two days prior in what was an 11-2 win. Love an 11 with, with 24 strikeouts. 24 strikeouts. Over, over those 15 innings. So just wild stuff. But suffice to say, she did not have enough left in the tank last Wednesday. But still, the generals are another very strong um, team in division two and then over in division one 
uh, conquered, having a great season. Uh, they they lost. We talked last show about their loss to Winnicott. They lost two nothing. That was the, their first and only loss of the year. Since then, they've started a new winning streak. They've won four in a row, during which they've outscored opponents fifty one to three. Now that includes a twenty one nothing win. So you know maybe a little bit skewed, but even so, you eliminate that one game and you're looking at a thirty to three run differential. So uh, that's still a pretty big difference. The one the one close game in there was a win against Goffstown. Uh, they won th- uh, Concord won three two in eight innings. That was a game that wasn't the prettiest, but I think for a team that expects to win a championship this year, winning a game like that is really helpful. Because one of the things that that head coach Duke Sawyer has said is that you know last year when you're just blowing everybody out in the regular season and you get to a close game in the playoffs, you haven't really been in that position. And they've had a couple games, the Winnicott loss, and now that win over Goffstown where they played in these tight games they've played well defensively they pitched well and they've been able to get some timely hits so these games should help this very already very experienced team come playoff time yeah Goffstown was a team that conquered beat I think it was a four nothing shutout win last year in the quarterfinals so Goffstown you know it's a, a good team that uh, has the potential to go deep into the playoffs as well. Um, I think the biggest game left on Concord's schedule uh, when they host Exeter on May 17th at Memorial Field, a rematch of last year's championship. Um, I think definitely the the strongest um, opponent Concord has yet to face. Um, so that should be a good one on May 17th. Hopefully fields are dry by then. We are recording this on Tuesday night, May 2nd, on a day where pretty much everything has been rained out today. Uh, and most things were canceled on Monday from rain that happened over the weekend where fields still had not dried out. So hopefully we eventually get all these games in. Uh, but May 17th is when I've got marked. Um, definitely a game of interest. Concord, Exeter, and a rematch of last year's D1 softball um, final. Um, Eric, I went through, because as you, as you alluded to, we are... We are getting closer to the to the playoffs. Our first champions will be crowned this month for the uh, for the spring season. Um, so in Division One, Concord uh, doing really well. They're they're uh, towards the top of the division with their with their record. In Division Two, your top four teams are Kingswood at six and zero, Coe Brown at seven and one. Bo and John Stark both at four and two, a little bit of a, a distance back, but those are uh, your your top four teams in Division Two at the moment. Uh, Hopkinton, our best area team in Division Three at four and two, um, looking like a, a, a playoff bound team there. Um, that's it for my softball notes. Well, let's pivot to the other diamond, uh, baseball. Concord baseball having a phenomenal season. We talked about them last week. We'll talk about them again because the tide played four games during their April break last week, won all four of them. That included a two game trip to Cooperstown where the tide won both. Of course, Uh, the messiest win was their seven, six win over Trinity on Friday. And that was, I think partly you're playing four games in such a short stretch. You run out of pitching. So you're kind of looking for guys. They had two freshmen that actually pitched in that game because they just needed uh, somebody to eat innings. Uh, but Concord's looking. I mean, I, I'll say this: I've seen Concord play in person twice. 
you don't look you don't watch them play and be like, you know, man, they're way better than everybody else. They're eight and two. Their record would indicate they they still have room to grow. I think, especially their hitting. They they they've been struggling with scoring runs. If you look at their scores, I mean, their games in Cooperstown were like two nothing, one nothing, two, yeah, two to one, one, and one nothing. Yeah. nothing. You know, they I think they beat London there like three nothing the prior Saturday. Like they're not scoring a lot of runs, and that has to be a little bit concerning. But their pitching has been really good. I mean, during that three game stretch I just mentioned from Londonderry through the second game in Cooperstown. Brooks Craig threw two complete games, including a one hitter. And then Matt Drews threw a complete game in the other, um, in the middle game of that stretch. And so, uh, you know, th- those two guys have been huge on the mound for, for, for Scott Owen and the Tide and a big reason why this team has won eight of its first 10 games. Yeah, I think another, um, you know, big thing for the Tide is they have a lot of different players who contribute. They win a lot of different ways. Um, they they can win playing small ball. They can win taking advantage of other teams' mistakes. Um, different players step up uh, in Cooperstown. Uh, Nader Wachter with some really big plays in the field. He gunned down some uh, run from, from center field throughout some runners going home. Um, really has a strong arm in the outfield. Zanus Loris had an RBI single uh, for Concord's one nothing win over Dover in their second game in Cooperstown. Um, Drews and, and Brooks Craig have uh, done really well in the mound. Craig's also some big plays in the field and at the plate. Um, so I think that's, that's a good sign as well. They, you know, they, they find a lot of different ways to win and they have a lot of different players who can contribute and step up in different situations. And we've seen that with, with some of Concord's other sports as well, was having different guys who can step up in in big moments. So I think that's definitely a, a, a positive sign, probably more so than teams that rely on maybe one player to, to get the job done every game. Um, but I think something else working in the tide's favor is they've played the most games in division one they're eight and two they've played 10 games out of a six out of a 16 game schedule so this is jumping ahead a little bit but so today is may 2nd the last day for teams for baseball games in the regular season is may 28th so in 26 days we have some teams that we'll get to that have played four games or even if you've played six games, you're still looking at on a 16 game schedule teams that are going to try to play like, you know, 12 games, but, you know, 10 or 12 games over a 26 day period, not get, they're not all going to happen. There's going to be a lot of rain delays and things that shift things around. There's probably not going to be games on some days that cuts out some of the days right there. So I think Concord playing four games over the break, um, getting some wins with some of their young arms, I think, is huge because they're going to be in a much better position at the end of the season where they can rest some of their arms and uh, be in a much better position. And some of these I mean, teams across the state, they're going to be playing, you know, four games in the final week of the regular season and then going straight in the playoffs, which is a really, really tight schedule because they've they've got to be done before, you know second week of June you've got to have this all wrapped up um school year's coming to a close so it's a quick turnaround so I think that will definitely um work towards the tide's advantage as they uh as the season progresses and we talked too also just about how this is an experienced team and a team that you know coach Owen has confidence in all 14 guys in the roster so 
you know, the, he, you know, getting to your point about different guys stepping up, I think that kind of aligns with that. And, and, and just the, the experience will help because they've gone through this stretch, they've succeeded, and now they don't have to play as intensive a schedule the rest of the way. Whereas, and we're seeing what the weather this week is not great. So it's already jumbling things around. You could have another situation where, as you said, you're playing an already condensed schedule and even more condensed yeah. time frame. Yeah. Um, why don't you, uh, Dan, why don't you give us uh, a look at uh, some of the other baseball teams? Yeah. There? So the Tide are eight and two. They're in second place in Division One. Um, in Division Two, Coe Brown is five and two in fifth. Uh, uh, John Stark at four and two and Bo at three and three also in the playoff picture. They've had some pretty big wins. Uh, hopefully we'll be covering them soon. If any of those games actually, actually happen, I know they're on your schedule. Hopefully these uh, things, the the calendar works in our favor Um, in division. And here's a team that I think uh, could be doing well, but could be in trouble with scheduling Bishop Brady. They're second in division three. They're four and oh, they haven't played since April 19th and they're on a 16 game schedule. That's 12 games. And, you know, gosh, so tomorrow's the third. So that's you're down to 25 days. So it's three and a half weeks. And it seems like a long time to play 12 games, but you cut out Sundays, you figure there's going to be other things that get rained out and forced to change. It, it can, the L division three might not have the depth that some of these larger teams do, um, especially with pitching. So I think that, uh, could be a factor for some of these teams down the stretch. But for now, uh, sitting in second place in Division Three, a um, lot of other strong area programs in Division Three. Winnesquam, 4-1, and one, and Belmont, 3-1. and one. Winnesquam also with a big win at Double A Field in Cooperstown over the break. Uh, come from behind, 4-3 to three win over Guilford. Brady Palmer with a walk-off two-run single in the bottom of the seventh to secure that win. Anthony Boomer with 12 strikeouts over as complete game seven inning effort. Uh, so really uh, strong performance there from Winnesquam. Certainly at Guilford, a very good team. So definitely a big, um, big moment for those guys. Division four, I've not heard from them all season. So I have no idea how they're doing it, but whatever they're doing, they're doing very well. Concord Christian, six and oh. On top of the Division Four standings, they have outscored opponents sixty-seven to ten. They allowed five games and there's uh, sorry five runs in their season opener, and have allowed one run per game in the other five. So certainly some strong defensive pitching. Uh, I would presume coming from the Kingsmen, uh, hopefully a team that we're able to get to at some point uh, in the season if the the very condensed calendar that we're working with allows. Um, all right, let's that's that's we're done with the diamond. Let's head over to the fields, the soggy fields, but fields nonetheless. Yeah, they've uh, they've been wet, especially uh, the last couple of days. Uh, let's start with girls lacrosse. Um, we talked about Merrimack Valley, uh, I think it was last week's show. Uh, pride are off to a really good start. They're five and two now, they're fourth in division two, they've won three in a row. Last week they beat Keen Manadnock 15 to 6 and Kingswood 16 to 6. So the Pride continue their resurgence after a down year last season. And we talked as well about Pembroke. That's the team that MV beat 14 to 1 last week. Well, since the Spartans lost 14 to 1, they have subsequently lost to Milford 15 to 5 and Keen Manadnock 15 to 4. 
you'd probably look at that and say, well, that's probably not great. And it's not, but maybe it's a little progress. I mean, I don't think, I think Pembroke had, had not scored more than one goal in a single game until these back-to-back games that they scored five and four in. So we, we, we mentioned it before. This is a program really starting from scratch. And so they're just looking for those incremental wins every week. And perhaps, you know, they're starting to see a little bit in terms of dividends on the field. Also wanted to mention in division three, Bo is just steamrolling over everybody. It seems like they've had one game within three goals. Every other game has been a blowout, including the most recent one against Milford. That was a 19, nothing win. They have a, a big game against Cole Brown coming up on Friday. So that, that should be an, another interesting test for the Falcons to see just how good they've been so far this year. Another team that we've talked about, Hopkinton. The Hawks are four and two. They beat Trinity 22-6 on Monday. So it looks like the Hawks are starting to find their footing after a uh, rough start. Uh, not a rough start, but a little bit of an uneven start uh, to the season. And then uh Dan, I know you, you you're very interested in Christian girls across. Well, I think I think they're uh, I I think they're a sleeper team. I think they're a sleeper team. Uh, so Bo and Guilford are tied for first in Division Three at six and zero, uh, and then tied for third in the division are Concord Christian and Saint Thomas, both with four and one records. Look, I would love to see Bo and Conquer Christian match up on the basketball court. I think that would be a phenomenal exhibition game. Probably won't happen, but if that were to happen, I think that would be a great matchup. But I think equally on the lacrosse field would be uh, a very intriguing matchup as well. I think they're both teams that are very similar and that they both have a very uh, strong core group of athletes that have been very successful together in numerous sports. Um, Although Bo, the more experienced team on the lacrosse field, for sure. Um, But as you said, Bo has steamrolled everyone, uh, including a very decisive win over Hopkinton to open the season. Also a 19-4 win over Derryfield, the champions in, I believe, the 2021 champions. Yes, 2021 champions uh, was the Derryfield team. So Bo conquered Christian on May 12th. I believe they play on the fields on Clinton Street. That is going to be a big one. And then Bo hosts Guilford on May 17th. I think those are really the two biggest tests that Bo has left. And I don't, I think if those are blowout wins, I don't see how anyone uh, is going to take Bo down. If both of those wins are as decisive as the other two wins um, as Bo's wins over Hopkins and, and Dairyfield. Now, Dairyfield, I think is still in the mix. Their three losses have been the Bo. They've lost to division two Portsmouth. Uh, one of the strongest teams in the division, I think, maybe the defending champions. I'm not entirely sure, um, but uh, Division Two Portsmouth is very strong. And then a 14 to 13 win over Interlakes Maltonboro the day before vacation. I don't know this. This is speculation. I think there might have been some players on a school trip for that. I think that's. I sometimes if there's a result that kind of makes me raise my eyebrows a little bit before break. Sometimes there's there's things like that going on. Um, but I think Derryfield's very much in the mix as well. And Hopkinson too. I mean, they've, you know, they had a brand new coach. It's tough to have your first game with a new coach, um, a new coaching system, two co-head coaches over there um, who you've spoken with before, Eric. So I think that's a tough way for Hopkinson to start. I think they're in the mix as well, but 
I have May 12th with Conquer Christian and May 17th with Guilford. Uh, those games against Bo uh, circled on the calendar. I think those are going to be really big indicators of what we, at least locally, what we might be seeing um, come playoff time. All right, Eric, you were at a lacrosse game. The only game you've been to so far this week. Hopefully not the only one you get to this week, but right now the only game you've been to this week is a boys lacrosse game on Monday. Yeah, we got boys lacrosse at Merrimack Valley. Not a good day for the Pride. Uh, Derry Field, a really good program. Beat the Pride 17-0. Game was, as evidenced by the score, never really close. The But MV MV boys lacrosse is in a very similar spot to where the girls – program is where the boys have already matched the win total from last year. They're three and two. They were three and 11 last season. And, you know, I think I wrote about this in my, in my story afterwards, like Merrimack Valley is simultaneously happy with how they've started the season, but also aware that they're not yet at a level with Derry field as evidenced by how yesterday went um, Sean Gill is in his first year as their head coach. He worked in their youth program. So kind of similar to Gus Madden and Bob Brown with Hopkinton girls. There's lots of familiarity among them with a lot of the players and, uh, coach Gill is very pleased with the kids that he has on his team. You know, one of the things that he talked about was when you're a coach, there's, you know, you can only tell your players so many things before they stop listening to you. It's just like your pa- parents talking to their kids, but his seniors have done a really good job stepping up and, and leading the way in a, in a way that their teammates will listen and respect them. And I think there's a lot to be said about that. And yeah. I think that's a reason why this team, you know, again, probably not going to end up at the top of division two this year, but they might make the playoffs and maybe win a game. Um, or compete they're 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 going to compete i think they're, they're going to be able to take uh, the, the the monday game and and learn from that so again the score not not very favorable in any way but still a, a program that seems to have an upward trajectory which is which is always a good sign um speaking of upward trajectories we talked uh about bow we've talked about bow boys lacrosse they've also been off to a phenomenal start this year six and oh uh, they beat Milford eleven to three on Monday. They play Hopkinton, who's four and two on Wednesday. We've talked about the Hawks as well a few times. So Bo, a team that's having a, a great year, I think. But they went three games last year total, so they've already doubled yeah. their they've already doubled their win total, and they still have you know eight games left. Uh, I think so, they won two. La- no, I think they won two last two year. Games, they so they've, two they've tripled. Yeah, they've tripled their win. Yeah. Total. Yeah, and I need to dig through the archives because I don't think Bo has won. I mean, Bo hasn't won six games, I think, in maybe like five years. It's been a while since Bo's Bo's had this many, but they're playing like a completely different team. Um, They've got a lot of different guys contributing. Um, The McCabe brothers, Gavin and Ryan, um, Ben Baruby, uh, Brody O'Neill, some of the ones that come to mind. They, but they, so many different players contributing um, for that team to to be where they're at. Uh, I think Bo Hopkinton would be a, a great indicator um, of where they're at. Hopkinton, with I think a little more recent success as far as playing in the championship game last year and and nearly taking the title. So I think that could be a interesting matchup to see sort of a more established. Um, veteran program if you will versus you know kind of a you know upstart team from from Bode I think could be a really good 
really good matchup. Coe Brown in Division Three is four and two. They're also in the mix um, right now. And I mean, Eric, we're talking about teams that are four and two, six and zero. Oh. Lacrosse plays fourteen games, so they're they're even closer to the ends of their seasons than the baseball and softball teams are. They're fourteen and zero. Oh. I'm on the run through some. Uh, some other sports quickly um boys volleyball is not a sport that we cover very much because we only have two local teams with the Coe brown boys at four and one or in the top five in the division but really the whole state because there's only one division of boys volleyball so Coe brown boys volleyball off to a very good start um big uh performance this weekend in the uh, track world in the capital area uh, this weekend's the Concord girls winning the 44 team black bear invitational hosted by co Brown on Saturday. The black bear invite is the largest team scoring um, invitational that is in the state of New Hampshire every spring. Um, a lot of other big invitationals, very well-run meets, but uh, no team scores on a lot of them. But this is the biggest one with the team scores. And Concord girls uh, scored over 100 points. Um, Runners-up was Phillips Exeter Academy with 68, and then uh, Nashua North and South um, in the 50s. So Concord really taking it to the other teams. Um, Morgan Doherty with a win in the 100 hurdles and then getting third place in a couple of the other events as well. Um, Ella Goulas winning the triple jump and also scoring uh, second place in the long jump and uh, no, second in the high jump and fourth in the long jump, I think. So uh, all three Concord girls relay scored points. Just a ton of great performances from the Concord girls team. Um, they were runner up last year by half a point in division one, I think the Conquer girls are in a very good position to be one of the top two teams in division one again. Um, and the Cobron boys look like contenders um, in division two. Um, the Cobron boys took third at their, their home invitational setting three meet records and winning four events. Um, Zach Bastani winning the discus Aiden Cox setting the meet record in the 3,200. Gavin Demas setting a meet record in the 800. And then those two teaming up with Tyler Kasich and Jamie Lano to win and set the meet record in the 4 by 800 relay. So, uh, But a lot of other uh, performances uh, very strong throughout the season from those teams. So I think um, track are going to be the first, I believe, the first team champions that we crown. Their regular season ends on uh May 21st is the last day to have regular season meets. And then I think it's May 24th, 25th, 26th are one division championship on each of those three days. So we are really three weeks away from crowning track champions, um, which is shocking how, how close we are. But definitely those two teams I have an eye on locally there. Um, so kind of looking at playoffs as a whole, um, Baseball, softball, and lacrosse, their last day to play is May 28th, and then playoffs will start the week after that. Tennis ends on May 21st, so we're 19 days away from the end of the regular season for tennis. So a quick rundown of where all of our area tennis teams stand with my projections as to their status for the playoffs. Again, these are just my base status based on my predictions based on the records and then um, didn't do the mental math for, for all of it but Concord girls one and five in division one 
um, kind of a, a team that's that's been growing and gaining some experience. They're not as experienced as they've been. Um, head coach Greg Millett doing a lot of hard work with that team, really trying to build them uh, the program to play more in the offseason. Um, but one in five, I don't know if they're a playoff team this year. In Division Two, Bo Girls looking very strong at five and two, um, looking like a playoff bound team. Co Brown Girls at two and six on the bubble. And then Pembroke Girls at 0 and 6. Probably not going to get there this year, although they did win their first games over the break. They had a 6 to 3 loss to Keene, which was their closest, uh, uh, closest match of the season and the first time they had won some games in any of those matches. So, uh, good, uh, things heading in the right direction for Pembroke. Kearsarge girls in Division 3, 7-0. They've rolled over everyone. I think they've had a 7-2 match. That was somewhat close, and everything else has been uh, pretty decisively Kearsarge. So they are looking like they're in a good spot to defend their title in Division 3. Bishop Brady girls 4-2, looking like a playoff-bound team in Division 3. Uh, and then heading on to the boys' tennis teams, uh, Concord boys 0 and 6, um, definitely uh, rebuilding uh, since the retirement of Dave Page a couple of years ago. Um, but Trevor Parsons doing a good job as the coach for that program. Um, uh, so he's been he's been working really hard with those with those guys. Um, but they're 0 and 6. Um, Bow boys at six and two in Division Two. They're uh, not as big as they've been in past years. I think only eight players on the roster, but still looking very strong there. Um, Cobram boys zero and seven in Division Two. Not looking like a, a playoff bound team this year. Um, and Kearsarge boys six and zero. They're the defending runner ups um, in Division Three, and they're looking very strong. Although I do not think they have played the defending champions Plymouth. Um, at this time but uh eric that is, those are my um predictions that yeah, sorry it was kevin parsons is the head coach of uh the conquer trevor parsons is someone that we've covered in the past i don't remember from what kevin parsons is the head coach of the conquered um boys tennis team I it, it sounded kind of right when i said it i was like i don't think that's right kevin parsons my apologies um to both of those gentlemen but yeah eric that's uh where things stand in the in the tennis world again we really want to cover all sports as much as we can but it is such a quick turnaround with with all these games we have you know upwards of 30 40 games in a single day um it's the most condensed out of all the seasons um that we cover uh high school sports it's, it's really tough to get out to everyone that we want to get out to uh, especially with all the, the strength of so many area programs uh and including tennis because tennis is coming down to the wire yeah lots of lots of stuff going on trying to get to as much of it as possible one place i did get to go Cole Brown softball against john stark and i also got to catch up later with their head coach dave alice here's my conversation with him excited to be joined by Cole Brown softball coach dave alice Dave, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So, as of recording this, um, teams off to a six and zero start. You've outscored opponents fifty three to sixteen. The game I was at on Wednesday against John Stark six four win was your narrowest uh, margin of victory this year. Um, can you kind of just take me behind the scenes of you know why why has the team found so much success early in the season so far? So this year really starts with every year. Um, 
sounds kind of trite, but basically we kind of roll over the same culture. So we just kind of start where we left off before. So, you know, when we lose players, they leave behind our work ethic and, you know, how things kind of go. So when we hit the uh, hit the ground running, we've kind of have, we have years of experience and uh, culture built in place and we try to keep it really consistent. So when we get started, you know, we're not starting fresh. A lot of teams, you know, change coaches or have a high turnover or, um, you know, other things like that. But we've really kind of built up a really consistent and solid uh, foundation with our culture. So I think that's kind of where it starts. Um, it definitely moves into having, you know, some great talent. That never hurts. Um, <laughs> talented players make uh, great programs, right? Yeah. And that's what I wanted to ask you is like, obviously, I mean, culture is obviously important, um, but you need to have players that are that are skilled. Um, is, is that a product of just, you know, strong youth youth leagues in the area? Is that stuff that you and your coaching staff focus on? Like, why why is there such a consistent stream of, of softball talent? Yeah, so a little little of both. We, um, we've been involved with the Barrington program forever. Um, me and one of my assistants, Bob Salisbury, uh, started coaching down in Barrington in the year 2000. So we've, we've been at it forever. Um, and that, that stream kind of started going to Co-Brown years ago. Uh, they've since kind of split off because they have other options now. Dover's always been an option, but now they can go to Oyster River. Um, so some of those players are splitting out, but we've always tried to maintain a good, strong community base um, since being at Co Brown um, to take care of the schools that can, you know, come here. So we try to put together programs, and we talk to the other coaches, and we follow and track other players, and try to keep them involved and um, keep Co Brown on their radar. And you know, we just think good, strong community um, interaction is is beneficial for everybody. So you know, when they get here, they know us. Um, and they're comfortable with us. Um, if they go elsewhere, then uh, they've you know maybe got a good good head start to their high school career, which is also good. So we can have good competition. Now, I want to ask you specifically about one of your one of your players, Madison Dakota. Uh, she in the game I was at, complete game, had a three run homer, drove in four runs, seemingly kind of the 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 motor that drives the the rest of the team. Um, can you just kind of speak to? what she means to the to the team and you know, what makes her such a talented player? So her, just her natural talent is just off the charts. So I'll start with that, but it's second to her will to win or her will not to lose. Um, and she's really been able to kind of maintain uh, her composure through that because some, some kids have that, but they can't control it. Uh, she's able to stay kind of stoic, but is just undeniable. So when she wants it, she gets it. And it comes from an incredible work ethic. So, you know, you put all those three things together, talent, will to win, and work ethic, and this is what you get. And she missed her 2020 year. She's a senior, so I guess all seniors did. But um, she would have been, uh, she would have made the varsity team as a freshman. And, you know, I don't know this, but I think she was going to be a starter. So she would have been a four-year starter on a great 2020 team that we had back then. So all those things, um, you know, her, her practices, <clears throat> excuse me, her practices are 100% game speed. Every rep she does is, uh, is hard work and focused. Um, it's really, it's really makes it easy for us, to be honest with you. <clears throat> and, you know, you, you know better than I do that, you know, it takes more than just the one to, to not only be good, but to compete for, 
championships like like Cole Brown seems to do every year. Who have been some of the other players that have helped elevate the team to uh, to this great start? Yeah, man, I could. We're we're so deep. I could literally read all twelve players that made this team. Um, but you know, notably our five seniors that we have: you know, Emma Broadstone, Madison, uh, Courtney Thomas, Haley Camo. Um, I'm sorry, uh, Haley Pruitt, uh, and losing um, losing a kid, Audrey Perrin. Um, so our five seniors really um, kind of drive the drive the bus, but we have, like I said, seven other kids that are that are right behind them and working hard too. So you know, a kid like kid like Audrey, who's been part of our program now for four years, she's like the original dirt dog. You know, she is Dustin Petroya, and she competes and works and pushes everybody else just by working so hard, and it's just fun to see. Now I mentioned at the at the top that team had a big win over John Stark on Wednesday a team that you know also that you beat in the D2 championship last year it was a game where you know you guys fell behind 2-0 and then took a 4-2 lead they tied it at 4 able to you know regain the lead and win the game what did what did seeing that performance kind of tell you about where this group is right now so I, I think kind of like we, we talked uh, at the game about the resiliency and um, they never feel like they're out of a game and neither do our coaches so you know you get down to nothing early something like that or even even a little bit more typically not because Madison keeps us in check um, on the mound but you know whether it's the first inning or sixth inning or even the bottom of the seventh we just really never feel like we're out of it so someone like Stark who we believe was you know fired up for that game because we beat him in the championship last year you know we matched their intensity um, and it, that back and forth game just kind of showed how much fun those competitions are. But, um, you know, moreover, just we never really felt like we were going to lose. I mean, deal with that after. You know, if we lose, we deal with it after. But feeling like we're always going to win is really kind of this team's priority. And that's really what we love about them. Speaking to the, the bigger picture of just what, what Division Two looks like this year and what it's looked like in recent years, uh, it's a deep, it's a deep division. I think if you look at, you know, a lot. I mean, we cover a lot of sports here at the Monitor, uh, across all four divisions, and Division Two softball seems to be one of the deeper divisions of any sport, um, of any division that that we cover. What, what's it kind of like just to see that parity and how many talented teams there are that you get to go up against every week? Yeah, I love it because it prepares us for, um, you know, the end of the season. Uh, years, years past. You know, whatever, five or ten years ago, there were maybe three or four teams that could win it. Now there's ten um, at minimum. You know, because there's there's probably ten or twelve teams that just have great pitching. Some might not have the depth. Um, you know, but there's yeah, easy. Like you said, you got Stark, MV, Kingswood, Hollis Brookline, Conval, Bow, um, Oyster River. I mean, there's just you just read down the list and everybody's good. I mean, there's maybe one or two teams that are that are rebuilding a little bit but beyond that i mean we don't have we don't have a game on our schedule that that we're not looking at like it's going to be a dogfight. you know maybe one or two tops out of 16. so i i love the parody i think it's great yeah. now so six and oh start uh we talked about this a little bit after the game wednesday um, but like where where are you still hoping to see growth from the group as you progress now toward the midpoint of the season yeah, cleaning up the little things. Um, 
you know, there's been a there's been a couple of uh, spots where we've just lost a little bit of focus defensively, and honestly, on easier plays, you know, an error is an error. They, you know, obviously, they don't mean to make an error, so we just kind of that is what it is. You're allowed to make errors, but the the ones where it seems like you lose focus, we we really want to kind of dig into that and figure out, you know, what's happening. Was it a prior at bat? Is it, uh, you know, the same person or two or three different people, and what's going on? with them maybe mentally um, and see if we can kind of dig back into that and why why losing focus in the fourth and fifth innings uh, when on a, in a great game. Um, other than that, it's just, it's really just trying to let the game come to you and, you know, do what's kind of given, right? I mean, be an athlete and make the play that's, that's hit or, you know, pitched. Dave, anything else that you want to add about the, the, the success for Cobra on softball so far this year? Um, no, in general, I'm just, I'm really happy to be a part of it. I mean, the girls are great. It's a fun group to coach. Um, and, you know, hoping that they have fun, you know, on the back end is really kind of all we're looking for. So, you know, if we as coaches are having fun and the, uh, and the players are having fun and, you know, getting a good high school career out of it, that's really all we're aiming for. So, so far so good. And, you know, hopefully we can round this one off and have some success in the playoffs and, start fresh again next year all right dave alice head coach cole brown softball dave thanks so much for stopping by the podcast it's great to have you on you bet thank you so much i appreciate it all right here we are dan uh early may it's raining we made it pretty far into the season without the schedule getting screwed up, but now we're here and it's getting screwed up and maybe a less opportune time for the teams because now they have to make up all these games in a shorter period of time. Uh, but uh, lots of area teams having great seasons that we detailed and a lot of them, you know, will continue their push to the playoffs as we hit the midpoint of the season. So thank you again to Co-Brown softball coach Dave Alice for joining the show. For Dana Torrey, I'm Eric Rinson-Lobel. Thanks for listening to us on the Monitor Sports Podcast. We'll be back next week. Yeah.